Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. As usual, I'm always excited for the guests, but I'm really excited to learn because we're one of the top players in the NCAA. So she's already won an ABCA Top Flight Award. She was named CCSA All-Tournament Team. She's a three-time ACC Academic Honor Roll. She's an ABCA All-American. She's represented the NCAA with Stetson, where she's made the tournament, and she's made the tournament with Florida State. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Putt. Sarah, thanks for doing this. Hi, thanks so much, Josh. I'm excited. This is exciting to get some international talent on the show. So I have to ask, because most of our listeners are Canadian, growing up in that Florida area, were you playing beach volleyball right from the start? Did you play indoor volleyball to start? Did you play other sports? Or what was your big start in sport in general? And then when did you start taking beach as like your full-time sport? Right, okay. So I started playing indoor first in middle school. um, And I didn't start beach until after eighth grade um so i was probably around like 14 or 15 um and i have i mean we're really lucky like growing up in florida obviously we pretty much can play all year round so that's a luxury (laughs) but um i started playing i liked beach more i just liked being at the beach obviously and um i was like kind of a well-rounded athlete like i wasn't super good at one thing like which would be better for indoor I was kind of just okay at everything, um, and I love being at the beach, so um, that worked out good for me. Nice. So did you play indoor volleyball at like a club level or like a travel team, or did you start getting on the beach circuit, like you said, like pretty early on, and that was going to be like your competitive sport? Uh, right. I did club indoor for like four or five years up until my sophomore year of high school, and then I played high school indoor the whole time. But... I beach just kind of became my passion and my love. And then once the timing was really cool because, um, when I was in high school, beach volleyball was an ABCA sport. Um, so it was kind of like a trial sport and they were like still waiting to get it confirmed. And then my first year in college, um, 2016 was the first time they had the NCAA like official sport thing. Um, so that's why in high school I like started realizing I could maybe get a scholarship and stuff. So, um, but my kind of, the way I started playing beach is not typical because I didn't play with the beach club. Like a lot of the juniors do now. I kind of grew up playing, um, pick up with like the local men and women at, uh, my courts. Like everybody was like 25 and up. So it was just, I just learned to play from playing all the time. And not a lot of drills or technique and stuff, but I knew how to win and I knew how to trash talk a little bit. So love it. <laughs> it I was hope kind you. of like a fun way to learn how to play. And uh, my brother would get out there too and stuff. So 
Nice. I hope we get into some of those trash talking stories a little bit later on. And, and <laughs> okay. with you in that Florida area, so just reading your your bio with Florida State, you played AAU, and then obviously there's the USA Volleyball Circuit, and I imagine there's some stuff going around the state. So w- when you play AAU, do you have to travel quite a bit? Because I noticed when you did well at a USA event, like it was all the way in California, right? So did your parents just kind of sign up that as soon as you took this serious and you wanted to pursue a scholarship that you were going to travel and compete all over the country? Right. Okay. So I didn't do too many juniors tournaments except the one summer I was trying to get recruited. And the it's kind of strange. Like in order to get recruited, they have these big tournaments in California, like pretty much the whole month of July, there's like five di- different national championship junior tournaments and every organization has one. So it's like USAV has one. AAUs has one. Now P1440 has one. Um, and so now it's like a whole month of like these big tournaments for juniors. But um, they just had a couple when I was um, a junior. And that was kind of the tournament to be at. Um, all of the top like c- commits and recruits were there. And I got really lucky to find a girl who was like a stud and she committed to Pepperdine her freshman year. So she was already committed and I was still trying to get recruited. Um, Nikki Lyons. So we played together that summer and um, it's all like you play. It's not like a team for beach. So you and your partner kind of just sign up for whatever tournaments you want to play. And then USAV does do like junior teams where you have to try out and then they'll like do a one teams and then a two, a three teams. And then they will have like camps and tournaments and stuff. But um it's pretty much like free reign. Nice. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no, definitely already learning a lot. And, and I'm curious because you did want to be a beach player at the post-secondary level. What went into your recruiting? Because I feel like if you were to pursue indoor volleyball, there's, there's over 200 schools that have a, a very good program, right? But for beach, were you kind of counting up the programs and deciding if you wanted to stay close to home or travel big school, small school? Like, what did you consider? Because like you said, it was kind of a test event. Then all of a sudden it was going to be an official sport, but not every school had an established program, right? Or maybe I'm misspeaking, but just let me know what you were thinking in terms of recruiting and what you were looking for in a school. Right. Yeah. They're, um, there wasn't too many school. Well, there's probably like 20 or 30 programs at at that time. I think now there's like 60 maybe. So I was really late to the recruiting game. I'm probably a bad person to ask about this (laughs) because I didn't have like that juniors coach to guide me. And my mom, like I love her, but we didn't know what we were doing, trying to talk to coaches and stuff. Um, So um, everybody's classes pretty much filled up really early at that time that people committed when they're, they're like freshmen and sophomores in um, high school. Um, so yeah, I just, um, so part of it was like, I wanted to stay in Florida cause it's, um, a lot cheaper in the U S to do like in-state tuition versus out of state. Um, so I didn't even try for any of the California schools. I just kind of figured that they would have been like filled up. Um, I ended up going to sets and they were number six in the country when I committed there and their location was really good. Like they're just like in central Florida pretty much. So I could still drive home on the weekends and uh, the campus was beautiful. So yeah, I did go, had a couple um, visits. I was so nervous to go to Florida state. I visited there whenever the old coach was here and their recruiting class was full for my year. So they couldn't take me, but I was actually so nervous to go there. I gave myself a stress ulcer and I like had to go to the urgent care (laughs) 
because I stress myself out so bad. Um, and then I think I visited South Carolina too, and they had cool facilities also, but Nice. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about Stetson. And the reason I ask is, again, just because of a, a casual Canadian fan, like obviously the beach volleyball program does really well, but they might not pop up on our radar in Canada as far as like a good football school or a good basketball school or, or somebody we would see on ESPN. But let us know like the, the feeling on campus that you got. And, and did they really support beach volleyball as kind of one of the main sports there? Yeah, they, um, it's like a small private school. They have a good business and law um, programs. Yeah, it's really cute. It definitely is not a football school or anything like that. But if you don't mind that, um, it's in Florida and the campus is beautiful. Um, they have always had a strong um, volleyball program because the conference they're in, they're always the top of their conference. So they do well. Um, and then, yeah, even after I transferred, they've had like always solid finishes and stuff. They recruit a lot of international um, people. I think there's a couple of Canadians that have played there but um yeah it's a good school <laughs> awesome awesome and, and when you entered because it, as you mentioned you were a little late in the recruiting game but obviously you're playing at a high juniors level and you're doing well did you have expectations going in like a, i'm just to go 32 and 3 as a freshman seems super impressive but i'm wondering when you arrived on campus did you like set a goal that you were going to be the ones team where you're going to do super well or did you go in with no expectations and you're just going to try to figure it out as you went like what was the mood uh, as soon as you arrived on campus and, and the squad got together i mean i was I, it's so silly looking back at myself in high school like i didn't even think i was good enough to play in college like my friends that i played like adult volleyball with were like you need to try to get recruited like you can play i was like I don't know, whatever. And um, so I, I just kind of went into it wanting to become the best player that I could be. Like, so at the same time, I thought that, like, I was like, I don't know if I'm good enough, but I always tried to put myself in positions where I'm playing with better and better people, finding better and better partners. And even if I'm going somewhere where I'm going to get my butt kicked and maybe embarrassed, like, at least I'll learn and I'll get better. And that's how you grow, right? So um, I was just, kind of going in and wanting to play the best that I could be. Um, there's like a really cool quote where it's just kind of like, you're not in competition with anybody, but yourself and your past performances and trying to, you know, play the highest level volleyball you can. So that was my mindset. I read a lot of like, um, I read like mind gym that year and, uh, kept a journal, which helped me cause I like get distracted easily. So um, focusing and like being mentally kind of present, um, helped me a lot that year too. Yeah, I did all those stuff. Um, I guess I should also mention, I like always had a big chip on my shoulder, um, coming up because, um, I played a little bit on the NBL, which is like this was a smaller pro tour. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, we've had a few Canadians go down and, and have a lot of success. And usually those events are in Florida, right? I think most of them are in the Florida area. Yeah. So that was like a cool experience for me coming up. I got to play and a few of them and um, it was just a cool experience. But I, I pretty much caught on early with like California is like the best place for volleyball. And it really is. But there was kind of like a lack of respect for like Florida players and stuff. So I always had like a little, uh, it made me competitive, um, wanting to just kind of prove myself and, um, you know, had that chip on my shoulder, like nobody expected me to really be anything. So yeah. Um, 
I also had like a dream partner. Um, I, I got to play with this gnarly all American indoor transfer. Bendy, she was from Czech, and um, all the other defenders on the team were like trying to play with her. So I had to kind of fight them off, and um, <laughs> I got to play with her. And she like had the maturity, like just the steadiness that I needed as a young player. And then I had all the strategy and um, kind of like beach awareness that you just get from playing all the time. And that's my favorite part of the game is like. Uh, the strategy and a little chess match and um, there's just so many variables in the game and stuff. So it was super fun. We got to play some really good teams. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And just uh, again, sorry for all, all the questions to get started here, but I'm curious at Stetson, how did you get a sense that the coaches were making teams? Like how do you feel like you got matched with Vendy or how the other teams or how do they even rank like the, the ones, the twos, the threes, like how did those small decisions come together when, the, when a team, cause you have teams working within teams, right? And you're kind of fighting for right. that ranking. So just let us know how you felt your, your first year came together like that. Yeah, that's, it's kind of a crazy process. So that was a while ago. I don't know if they still do it um, this way now, obviously. But um, so my fall, I didn't have any like set goals as far as performance. But going into the spring, I was like, let's try to make the one seed and play with Bendy and everything. Um, and so I had a meeting with coach and I told her that was my goal. And she was just kind of like, well, you got to earn it and prove it. And I was like, okay. And it was a pretty quick conversation. Um, and then it's, I think coaching college beach is like such a tough job because um, making good pairs, like doesn't always make sense. Uh, like you think you have a good blocker and a good defender, they're going to play well together. But chemistry is like such a huge part of it. Obviously you probably know. And um, so finding those pairs, like you could have two defenders that just have great chemistry and like nobody can take them down. Um, so I think just trial and error, um, we kind of got put together pretty early on. Um, and then it was just kind of figuring out the rest of the team. But Yeah, I noticed in your your uh, profile here with Florida, excuse me, Florida State, I won't confuse the two again. Um, you, you won 21 straight matches. Like, what's that like? Like, I, I imagine you don't get tired. You feel like you can play every day. You just go to practice in a good mood. Like, to win 21 matches in a row and to go 32 and 3 overall, like, how was that feeling? It's cool to hear about your process and the books you were reading and how you took like the mental game really seriously. But when you're getting that type of results, just how does it feel being a first year, but doing so well? Oh, I like, I haven't gotten to talk about this in so long. It was such a cool year. Um, um, I, at the beginning of the year, like, like, so my partner, she just had an absolute cannon of a shoulder and I was a good setter. So I knew like right away, whether we won or lost was going to be if I could set out consistently. And I remember telling myself that before season started, I was like, Sarah, it's on you. Like if you side out well, you guys are going to win. And if you don't, then you won't. But, um, we just took it one match at a time. Um, the biggest wins out of those 21 matches were against, uh, Hawaii and UCLA. We got to play the McNamara twins, their freshman year and stuff. And that was cool. And then, the team that broke our winning streak was Sarah Hughes and Kelly Clay's actually. <laughs> it was their like junior year and they were so gnarly. They were just, you know, they, so to put it in perspective, they had a 108 match winning streak and wow. we had a 21. Match winning streak. <laughs> and I was just kind of like excited to go in and even just be on the court with them. 
And obviously they ended our streak, but that's the best team that I could have possibly imagined ending. <laughs> so um, it was fun. Um, it was also like everybody, it put like kind of a target on her back. Like everybody would play their best game against us, which just always happens. Like still at Florida state, every single match is like that. Um, so you can't really go in thinking you're going to like just cruise by anyone. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm curious, as the season progresses and you guys qualify for the national championship with this amazing tournament, how does that event feel? Like, does it feel really special going to Gulf Shores and just, like, the attention and the media? Like, is it different than a normal duel? Or how did the regular season feel versus, like, a national championship weekend? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, like, pressure all built up. Um, Gulf Shores, you wouldn't believe it, but it's, like, one of the most beautiful beaches um, nobody thinks like Alabama's going to be that pretty, but um, it's really beautiful and they make it really nice. Um, the MCA does. And, you know, there's all this buildup in media and this and that, but I've gotten better at it. But my first couple of years, um, I was just not enjoying myself. At all. I was so stressed out and just kind of like excited to play that I couldn't enjoy it. Um, so I've, tr- I've gotten better. Like I, I stay off my phone and I try to just, um, you know, stay grounded a little bit more. But um, so my first year at the uh, the NCA tournament was the first year it was run by NCA, and we were the eighth seed. And that year, Florida State was actually the one seed um, because they had beat USC at home, so they earned the one seed in the tournament. And it was like a big controversy. Um, and so I got to play the very first match of the ever the NCAA nationals, I got to play at the ones court, um, against Jace Pardon and Julie Brown. And I think we won the first set and ended up going to three and, um, we didn't get to finish our match, but it was just like, looking back, I'm just like, there's gotta be a God up there <laughs> that like timing in my life happened because it was just a cool memory. I, that always bothers me when I get watching games and the game I watch will just suddenly stop. Like, I, I think that's what's cool about the dual system, but also frustrating. I'm wondering, how do you handle that as a player? Like, do you feel a time crunch ever? Or you're just so focused in your own match that like, if you go to three, you don't feel like you should have finished earlier or anything crazy like that? Because at a, at a venue like Gulf Shores, where they have all the courts going at the same time, right? It's just really the first team to win three matches. Yes. Um. So yeah, I guess I should explain that like, so there's all five matches happening at the same time. And then as soon as one school wins three, um, they call the duel. So that way everybody can kind of like run over and celebrate. Um, they only do that at nationals and at our conference finals, they'll do it for like the semis and the finals. Um, but usually you, you, everybody plays out their match, whether the duel's over or not. Um, like for all of the normal season. So yeah, it's kind of strange. Like my record is like, I have a couple unfinished matches, but sometimes if like you're about to lose in the third <laughs> like <mine, laughs> match, ends. so it's kind of strange that way. Nice. So that was your first year. And then did the win streak and obviously doing well in conference and doing well in Gulf Shores, did that confirm that you wanted to play at maybe lack of a better term, like a bigger school or against better competition? Like what went into the decision to redshirt and then eventually transfer? Right. Um, so I didn't think about transferring till the end of season. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about Stetson. It was a great school. I liked my year there, but, um, Florida state got 
coach Brooke um, after I had like already committed to Stetson and stuff. And also my mom like went to Florida state, I guess I should add. So like, I kind of wanted to go there when I was a kid and stuff. Um, and then also the third thing is, um, they had this nutrition program that I really wanted to do and, um, Stetson like just didn't have that major and stuff. So, um, the week after nationals, I went down to Deerfield beach and I was talking with my friend who was a freshman and she was just saying how, a freshman at Florida state. And she was like, Oh, I just had the best year. Like Florida state's so awesome. Like, um, whatever, like tell me how great it was. And I was like, man, like I should try to transfer. And it was like, honestly, pretty rocky trying to figure out like how to get released and everything. And obviously like Stetson didn't want me to leave, but long story short, um, they partially released me. So she, I, um, I was allowed to like go to Florida state, take scholarship money and like train with the team, like be on the team, everything. But I wasn't allowed to compete or travel with the team during season. Um, so I, yeah, I had to take a red shirt, like playing wise, but, um, so that was just kind of unfortunate. And they actually changed that rule the year after I red shirted because my friend transferred from South Carolina to FIU and then played the next year, no problem. So that was kind of a bummer, but I mean, it led to me getting my master's and still being in school now. So it all works out in the end, I think. Yeah. I was just going to ask how the credits transferred over, but it, it sounds like you're in a good situation, obviously completing your master's, but how, how challenging was that as an athlete to, to train with no competition? Cause I think if COVID's taught me anything, I think competition has a strong role in sport that you just can't train all the time. Like it gets a little dull. It gets a little boring after a while where I think athletes feel the need that they need to compete and battle every once in a while. But how did you handle that where you got to train with the team and then had to go support them when they were in competition? Yeah. Uh, it was definitely tough. Um, especially they were trying to make pairs and stuff. And, um, I don't know. I, I tried to just not think about it and focus on, I, I tried to work out so hard that year. I actually like gave myself knee problems because our trainer was like this super jacked guy and he was having me squat way too much. And I, now I have like tendonitis oh, <laughs> from it, but, um, I was like, I think I was like stress working out. Like I was so mad that <laughs> I was playing, but I was like, I'm going to squat so much. Um, but yeah, it was tough. I, I like was like kind of on the team, like I was on the team, but I just felt like still a little disconnected. So, but it made me so freaking hungry to play the next year. Um, and when I finally got to play, it was like, I'm free. And yeah, like, and that following summer after I registered, I couldn't even play that much because I had so many summer classes. So it definitely like kind of was a uh, time to just kind of put in some work, I guess I tried to make the best of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and once again, now that you're on the squad and eligible to play, how did Florida state like to match pairs and rank teams and do all that? Because uh, I noticed NCAA schools, they carry a big roster, but you can really only have five teams, right? So th there's athletes who do train, who don't might not get a chance to compete in like the dual system. Right. So how did you feel going in and who you're going to be paired with? Like, how did that process go when you were, technically at your first year of eligibility with Florida state. So that year we had a lot of great seniors and so the way Florida state does it is why well, I, I can't really, I don't know all the workings of behind the scenes, but you play with a lot of different partners. Um, and pretty much 
to, your greatest odds of getting in the lineup is to play great with as many different people as you can and just have a good attitude. Um, cause if you only play good with one or two people and those people are playing with somebody else and it's like tough luck. Um, it's, it's always really competitive to get, um, in the lineup. Um, and even this year, like we're having the same thing cause we just have so many great players and only 10 can play. So it's so crazy. Um, but that year I was like all over the lineup. Um, and then by the end of the year, I played with Macy Jerger at the threes and, um, it was, we had just a great team and a really awesome season and we made it to the national championship match, which was so awesome. Um, and then we fell just short to UCLA. Um, even though we beat them early in the tournament. So people were like, Oh, they should have to beat you twice. But I don't know <laughs> any of that bracket stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And did that, uh, same chip on your shoulder about representing Florida and showing that like California isn't the only place for beach volleyball. Did that really show up for you that season? Cause uh, looking at the notes, like you said, you had played UCLA before in the tournament and beat them. Uh, I think you beat USC as well. So playing like these California schools who are kind of well known for their skill in volleyball, did that kind of fire you up for the match? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we're always trying to bring a national championship to the East coast and, um, like that's what I said right when I transferred here was that's the reason why I transferred was to be able to go for that, um, national title. Yeah. I mean, I, it fires me up. It makes me competitive. Um, I have nothing against girls from California. Cause I mean, there's a reason why they think that most of their like aunts or parents are like Olympians. Like <laughs> there's just so many good volleyball players out there, but, um, yeah, absolutely. Every time we play those teams, it's just, um, always going to be a battle and yeah we did pretty well against them um that year and what's the the mood at a, a national championship when you do win in five because i noticed in, in hawaii you beat them excuse me against Hawaii, you beat them three two but as the matches are winding down do you just go support your teammates and that's why some of these sellies are so crazy when you do win a duel three two because you, your whole school is basically watching you and cheering you on at that time yeah that's like the coolest part about um, college beach volleyball is in any other beach volleyball tournament, it's you and your partner and like maybe a coach, but you never have like 20 teammates cheering for you. Um, so yeah, when the duel goes, um, when like two of your teams have won and then the two of the other schools have won, it will come down to one match. And usually that, that match will be in three sometimes too. So um, it's kind of funny. Like you'll like hit an, average high line shot and it'll go down and everybody will like lose their mind because <laughs> there's just so much like energy. Um, and it's more about the your teammates cheering, trying to cheer louder than the other team and what you're actually doing. But, um, it's just like super fun atmosphere. Now it was cool to hear about how you played USC and played Clay's and Sarah Hughes when, when they were kind of rolling along in, in their careers. I'm curious when you played UCLA and you got to play Sarah Swansell, like obviously she's doing very well on the world tour right now, but did you know she was at that level when you matched up with her? Or it was honestly just another game and you were focused on, you know, competing and doing the things that you could take care of. Or is there every once in a while that you kind of look across the net and be like, wow, I'm playing so-and-so. Yeah, absolutely. It's so crazy because I played her two years ago, her senior year. Um, she's just insane. Like her defense is so good. Um, and I actually met her the summer after my freshman year. I did this USA camp and she was there. It was before she transferred to UCLA. 
but yeah, she's awesome. I'm always cheering for her and Kelly now too, because it's just cool that they were coming out of the college pipeline. But um, yeah, we we tried to give all the balls to her partner. We'll put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm curious, hopefully Coach Niles doesn't get upset with you about anything you're going to share, but with the the practice environment of having like Brooke coaching there, or we've had uh, Jason Lockhead on the show, how, how do they find the balance between like a, a positive environment and using like a growth mindset versus like competing and really fighting for that, like one, two or three spot or just earning a spot within the duel. Right. Because uh, when we had Jason on the show, like obviously his warm up games are, are crazy and fun, but then he'll coach Phil and Nick who are going to be fighting for an Olympic gold medal. Right. So obviously he can flip a switch. I'm wondering what, what the mood is like at an NCAA practice about, you know, there, there's times to get better and there's times to learn. And then there's times where you just need to win the drill and battle. Yeah, that's like definitely a tough balance. Um, yeah, they do. I think they really do try to encourage us and we work on skills and stuff and ball control. But it's kind of like they provide the training and the opportunity to get better. And then it's up to you to show up and get better or not. Like we talk a lot about being gritty and kind of showing up and giving 100% of whatever you have that day, whether it's 60% because you just were up studying for a test all night and that's what you have or you're recovered and you have a hundred percent or whatever it is. And yeah, I mean, it is kind of tough, like up until seasons, like it's almost better when season starts because up until then anybody could be kind of competing against you because the pairs change so much. But then once the pairs are set, it's kind of easier to, we do like as season gets closer, we do a lot more competition and this and that. And, um, they do their best to find pairs and stuff and it kind of, it'll never be perfect, but, um, I think that there's just so many possible combinations. I don't think there's necessarily like one perfect lineup combination. It's like kind of like there's many options of lineup combinations. Um, and that's something that we is different that we do compared to like, I've noticed UCLA and USC have longer standing pairs. Like if pairs are losing, they won't necessarily change them right away. Whereas if like one of our pairs loses, we'll probably like change something around or this and that. So. Friend of the show, Jeff Miller started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. And how have you found the balance of 
receiving coaching? Because as you mentioned, like, I think your start in beach volleyball is, is what a lot of us really love about it is you don't really need a coach. You can just go to the beach with friends and hack around and play and compete a lot. But now that you're in like the NCAA stream, obviously there's going to be coaches, there's going to be feedback. Like I'm sure there's access to video and stats and all that good stuff. Right. So how have you found the balance between like playing free and just wanting to go compete in battle versus man, I really need to work on this certain shot or this certain skill and really focus and maybe drill it a little bit more than just kind of doing gameplay all the time? Yeah, that's a good question. That's like something I had to work on a lot um, was because I wasn't used to, like in a timeout, the coach will come over and give you so much information about um, where everything's going, this, that, um, things to kind of tweak. Um, And so just kind of like picking one or two things that I'm going to kind of take with me and then I have the best stats when I'm not thinking about the stats. <laughs> um, I, I'm like very process oriented. So if I'm focusing on um, my pass location, kicking out, having a strong approach, snapping high, and then taking like a late look every time I side out, my side out percentage is going to be really high. <laughs> but if I'm thinking like, oh gosh, are they going to serve me? What are they doing on defense? Do they just juke? Oh gosh, whatever. It's like, I'm probably going to get dug. It's not going to be a first ball side out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to play free when you have a good partner and you're winning a lot. That's definitely for sure. But I think being able to play and get that side out or whatever point you need, um, whenever you're losing and you know, you're kind of, um, in a pressure situation is is definitely harder to do. And, and I just want to pull on one point you mentioned there, like the importance of that late look and kind of being in rhythm and flow with, with the set you're getting. So can you kind of just take us through your process that you, you pass to your spot, like you're considered in system. What is your progression? Like, are you kind of surveying the other side then, or are you waiting for the set and really taking like a late look? Are you looking for the blocker, the defender, both? Like how much do you think like a youth athlete should work on scene or versus just like, did you see the defender lean this way and you hit this way? Like how did it really start for you with the late look? And then what do you really value? Like when you're in flow, like what are you really seeing? There's a, so when I was younger, so I played a lot of volleyball. I didn't have great technique with my approach. I would kind of come in and like look the whole time and then just shoot around. And my shots were good enough that I was putting the ball down. But, um, the higher level you get, like the more consistent your approach needs to be and the better defenders and blockers you play, the more they're going to kind of be able to tell if you're going to swing or shoot. So just being able to come in hard every single time, um, like that's why I, I try to watch AVP and FIVB matches because they just do it so flawlessly and like without any effort. Um, but that hard approach and then putting in a nice crispy shot or swing or yeah, just staying aggressive too, no matter what, like um, not being really timid or cause worst case scenario, you get blocked and then you hit the next one harder. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I think you, if you go in looking scared, then that's, you already kind of are going to struggle. <laughs> and and with uh, you enjoying, like you mentioned earlier, you really enjoy the game planning and kind of like the layers and the tactical side of our sport. How have you found like any tricks to, to have multiple layers to a game plan? And, and the reason I ask that is we're working with our athletes about 
you know, it's not enough to say we're serving the defender or we're going to serve the left side. Like, where are we serving them? What's the sequence of what we think is going to happen? What area along the net do they like to hit from when they're in system? Like, what shots do they have? Like, there's so many layers. And then even within that, there's going to be like this cat and mouse game that starts that, you know, you just dug their high line. So are they going to go back to it or are they going to try to go cut shot or cross court? Like, how do you kind of keep up without really overthinking and analyzing every little thing that's happening? Right. Yeah, there's definitely a balance with that because, you know, I think sometimes it can be a trap to go in with too specific of a game plan or scattering report on somebody and then not just reacting to what's going on, you know? Like maybe you watch film on them and their partner send them off the net every ball and then you play them and they're, now they're crushing every ball. So, yeah, I think it, we usually try to have... Uh, an idea of which person we go to and then we try them to their inside, to their line, short and deep, whatever, whatever the one's doing. Um, and then just kind of feel it out the first couple switches, um, side switches. Um, and you can kind of get a feel if somebody doesn't like to pass a certain side or this and that. And I don't know, like it's really big for me to not go in with too specific of a game plan. Like, even if one player is technically better, like they might not be on that day. So I think trying both people is always good. Um, and I mean, you're not even supposed to get that many defensive points anyway. So might as well try them, see what they do and then um, keep signing out. But Nice. And then after the serve, are you ever playing around with your starting position or doing late moves? Like if you watch somebody on tape or maybe you've played them in the past and you say, you know, this player has pretty good vision. Like, do you start playing with your timing or what are some little things you can do? Cause I, I agree with you. You don't need a ton of points like break points or point scoring opportunities, but they, they are hard to come by. So I'm wondering how do you manipulate your timing or throw off their rhythm? If they're a player who does take, you know, a late look and has a very aggressive approach as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the most fun parts of defense for me. I absolutely love being a defender, but you can kind of get a, a feel for like when someone's looking, if it's earlier or later, um, and then maybe trying to make a little move. Um, but a lot of times we're playing against teams that already know what a juke looks like. So then they'll just hit it like, so on like a normal three block, well, I guess I can say this, I, this is like common knowledge on like a three block. Um, you just, the, you, the defender, and the blocker fake like the fake like the blocker is going to dive angle and the defender is going to run line, but then you just stay. And so ideally, they just cut shot it right to you. Um, so usually, if we're playing teams and they kind of already know what that looks like. Um, so then they know that the high line's open. So it's like sometimes I juke and then I know that they're going to hit high line, or I don't know. That's like ideally, or sometimes they just like crush it down middle seam, and it's like, wow, well, this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> nice and, and i am curious because again you've mentioned you've played nbls and you've played avps and, and obviously with the ncaa having a little bit different coaching rules does your mindset change where on the avp like maybe as a team or maybe you being kind of like the defensive leader are taking more of that role or even at the ncaa level are you telling your coaches no we're going to run our three player we're going to run our x play because like you're just feeling out the game like i'm wondering how the coach influences this side of the game that you're passionate about versus like when they're just not available and maybe am I correct? The AVP has the FIB coaching rules or no, they allowed coaches in the box this year, didn't they? Um, I believe so. 
But do you yeah, bring yeah, a coach when you play AVP? Um, yeah, I've gotten some cool opportunities to play qualifiers. Um, I usually just go with my partner. Um, and Jason was going to actually meet us the last Austin qualifier I played. Oh my gosh, that was long, like 2019. Um, he was flying in because he was going to coach Phil and Nick, but the qualifier site was split two locations for girls. And um, our other teammates were at the other location and they started their game first. So Jason went to go coach them <sighs> and couldn't make it over. And we were like in our round to get in. Um, so Jason, if you're listening to that, I'm still kind of mad. um no he yeah so back to the question about like coaching i think um it's like just great to have extra input and stuff especially when you have trust with a coach like it's hard if someone's just coaching you one weekend to like really trust their opinion um especially like in a big game and stuff but we have good relationships now like now well now i've been at florida state for freaking forever so I trust all the coaches and if they see something or want to try something, then we usually go to that. But then other times it's kind of just like me and my partner, um, figuring it out. Like my partner this year, Maddie is like super strategic like me. So we have a good time figuring all the defensive stuff out. <laughs> and how has the different events you've played in kind of changed your style or is it the same? Like, have you noticed a different style on the AVP compared to the NCAA? Like maybe, maybe the NCAA drops or peels a little bit more often, or maybe the athletes are just, uh, I don't know, bigger, stronger, faster the, as you go up the levels, like, or, or is the NCAA pretty transferable to the AVP right now? Cause I think we, we talked about Sponsel. you've played Megan and Nicole here from Canada that did well on the world tour. Like uh, Sarah and Kelly are obviously doing well uh, when, when they first left USC, but I think individually now they're still doing well. So Obviously, the gap isn't that big, but I'm wondering how you find it going from NCAA to the AVP. Yeah, that's like a cool, it's cool to think about. Um, I think it depends, you know, what schools and what seeds in the NCAA you're talking about. Um, there's such a there's such a spectrum between the top schools, couple seeds, and the other schools like five seeds and stuff. But um, yeah, I absolutely think like the top couple seeds and the top like maybe five teams could definitely um, do some damage, I think, um, in a qualifier, definitely in a qualifier, maybe even in a main draw. But it's it's cool how much of a pipeline there's going to be just for the women's game, um, not even for the USA because there's so many um, foreign players and stuff now. But um, there's, yeah, back to what you said, like there's definitely more appealing. Um, so the thing with college beach is, there are blockers, but not a lot of them actually like really know how to move their hands and um, like this and that. So I think that's the biggest difference is blockers that really um, know what they're doing <laughs> is the next level. And then also just hitting heavier balls, like you said. Um, um, I heard, I listened to an interview. It was back when like Sarah Hughes was getting ready for the world tour and she was just saying something about how like, they'll hit a ball 10 feet off the net that is like harder than, um, you know, anything and stuff. So just that extra power, I think is probably the next level and extra ball control and using the Mikasa balls too. I mean, we pass with those every once in a while and that ball control is really tough. So 
Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't consider that either. Yeah, no, because uh, the the Wilson and the AVP, I think it does behave differently than the Mikasa. And then what do you use as your game ball with your conference? Uh, yeah, we use Wilson's for everything. Um, and for NCA and for, I think AVP uses them too. Nice. And, yeah, and I, I am- like them. I am curious, you know, you, you mentioned if Jason is listening, let's do a, a follow up if he is listening. Have you ever beat him in a warm up game? Because I understand he jumps <laughs> in every once in a while and he's very good. Uh, his warm up games are so legendary. I've definitely become a better ball control player because of him. So we've stolen uh, the one where you got to serve cross court like it's short court, but there's two boxes and you got to serve cross court. And then if you put it over on one or two, you got to go line or if you use all three yes. hits, you got to go cross. And that one's been a big hit. And we've stolen that one. I was wondering, is that your favorite or is there another one we can steal that you can kind of try to describe through audio of how awesome <laughs> some of these warm up games are? Yeah, that one's one of the best because um, like the next level is you like try to get it to trickle over on a set with one. And then if it doesn't go, then you have your next two to like poke. I don't know. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I swear he just like stays up all night and thinks of the craziest, most entertaining to watch things that he can think of. Um, yesterday we played one where it's two on two and it's just the full court. Um, you have to use three contacts, but one contact is two arms, so like a normal pass. One contact has to be one arm. And then the third contact is no arms. So you have to use your head or like knee it. <laughs> <laughs> so the strategy is you pass with two first time. And then you set with your head or with your knee. And then you hit the last one. Um, and <laughs> it was really gusty. And it's underhand serving too, so that makes it a little more fair. And, um, we were playing Kira and Tora and Kira served one and it dropped so short. I mean, I passed it like maybe a foot off the ground and my partner, cause we like agreed we were going to save the third contact for the one arm. <laughs> she just dives like parallel to the stand and like headbutts this ball, like to the pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It was hilarious. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, instead of just trying to get up with one, but, um, She's lucky the cameras weren't rolling, so we were fine. (laughs) That's a good one, though, just to use different parts of your body and stuff. Yeah, like I feel like it gets you warmed up, but it also gets you like problem solving and in a bit of a compete mode. And then, yeah, somebody's going to get embarrassed or made fun of or there's going to be a laugh. Like I think there's so many layers to these warm up games that every chance I get, I just try to steal more from him because I think they're hilarious. (laughs) Well, there's a new one. Uh, Yeah, and I think... When I try to do them too perfectly, that's when I always get the most frustrated. <laughs> but when I just kind of go in with a good attitude, it helps a lot. It's just having kind of fun with it. <laughs> well, this has been awesome to hear about your process and, and your tactics and kind of the books you're reading. I'm curious when you review, are you big into video? Are you keeping a journal? Like how are things that you recap? Because I think the the teams within teams at the NCAA gets a little tough or maybe you have a goal to work on something in practice where it might not happen that day unless it's it's something very focused or maybe the the coach has it set up that you're going to compete and it's your job to work on your baby line shot or your high line or whatever it is but I'm curious with you progressing through your career and just feel like you're improving like what is your feedback loop that you like to review your own game well I've had a lot of years to figure out what works (laughs) 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 um I like in visual, so the mo- the more f- 
game film I can watch of myself, the better. That's been just huge. Um, and then to have one that I can kind of rewind and fast forward through helps a lot. So yeah, watching those. And then I, I keep a, I used to not do this. I started doing it because they say it's good to write things down. So I do like a little before practice and after practice, like just two or three quick things. And then I try to pick one point that I'm going to remember, like the things I'm working on that day. So like right now, like when I'm, when I'm throwing with my partner, I like try to remember what three things I'm, I'm doing. Um, cause a lot of times I'll just write down goals and then <laughs> I won't think about them till I get home. So that's been something that's helpful and something I kind of wish I would have done like when I was in high school, just to kind of like, we practice so much and it's hard, like when we're not competing, like you said earlier to find motivation to like go to another practice. Um, but I think writing down little things and kind of picking a focus for the day helps me to like stay engaged and stuff. So, yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I, I find that it's, it's the goal setting is usually pretty easy. Like people can say, Oh, I want to win a national championship, but I always find it challenging to boil it down to a daily task. So it's just cool to hear you talk about like taking little notes or, you know, reading it as you're doing warm up, just so you can like really focus in on it because I, I'm with you. I think if I write something down, I might forget it. But if I check in it like right before practice or make notes after practice when it's fresh, I think that's the best way to do it. So thanks for sharing your technique there. Right. Yeah. Do you have a beach club? Uh, oh, I should have told you this before the show. I, I coach with Team Canada. So everything you've just said, we're going to steal and use against you and the USA. So. Oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. Molly already knows. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's such a small world that you mentioned. Like, I wish we could get her on the show, but uh, she, she doesn't say much around us. She just competes and wins <laughs> drills. But uh, I don't know if she's different at, at Florida State. But, uh, yeah, very quiet, but uh, very competitive, very good. Yes. Yep, that's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad she's not faking it for either one of us, that she's the same person everywhere. So that's good to hear. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> well, Sarah, it's been awesome to have you on the show. One thing we're trying to make a tradition is is our listeners have learned about your career. They, they've heard about your playing at the highest level. But volleyball is such a unique and, and odd sport sometimes. It's just something funny must have happened along the way that maybe somebody got embarrassed or you got a funny story, whether it's travel or playing or whatever. So uh, you've told some great stories so far. I was hoping you could just give us a laugh before we let you go. All right. So... I don't know how, so I'm still a Florida State athlete, so there's a lot of stories I can't tell, but <laughs> one that's uh, still pretty funny is um, uh, two years ago, our whole team missed our flight going to Dallas, and um, our assistant coach, we called this weekend the gauntlet. Um, our assistant coach, Angela Rock, kind of panicked and sent six of our starters and our trainer on another flight um, to DC and because there wasn't supposed to be another, there was another flight to Dallas later in the afternoon, but there were like no seats on it. So she's like, okay, well let's just get the starters to another airport where they can connect, um, hopefully to Dallas. So we got on this plane and we like, didn't know if we were going to be able to make it to Dallas. And so then we ended up flying to Chicago and like one other airport I'm not good at telling stories, but it was just like the most ridiculous day. Um, instead of like a three hour flight, we ended up flying around the country for like 15 hours. <laughs> um, definitely missed our servant pastime. And 
I also got my phone stolen that day because we left school at like three in the morning and I left my phone on the water fountain. Um, so I'm like flying all over the country, not really any supervision with my teammates. Uh, my mom's like, what's going on? And I don't have my phone. Um, and yeah, we make it to the place we're going at like 8 PM. Finally we get in and we have to play the next day. We each drink like probably 10 energy drinks <laughs> and we end up playing. So I don't know how, how good that one is, but it was just the wildest, wildest weekend. No, that's definitely up there. And maybe what you're in for it being a professional beach volleyball player is it sounds like if you can figure out the travel, like that's, that's the hardest part. I thought hearing from some of the athletes we've had on the show is that if you can figure out the travel thing, that the plane becomes pretty easy, but just the, the amount of travel you guys do and, and wow, that's, that's a lot of transfers and, panic mode and showing up late before hotel that that's just nuts because i imagine the home team and the schedule has no sympathy right like you just have to get there for game time they're not going to adjust it for you oh yeah three matches the next day (laughs) (laughs) so i wish so what's funny is uh jason kate and one other jenna had um the global entry thing at airports where you like don't have to go through security i guess um so they just walked right onto the plane and we were all stuck in security. <laughs> That's why we all missed our flight. So um, I'm going to, if I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if I ever play international, I'm definitely getting that global, uh, global entry. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the way to go. Well, this has been awesome. It's been great to hear about your career and cheer you on. And hopefully it, you guys are in season right now, right? So there will be another golf shores this year, or a national championship somewhere, right? Like it's all planned and ready to go. Yes, going right now. We just got announced today that we're tied with USC for number one. So wow, congratulations! Hopefully, yeah, it's all right. Everybody's excited about that. Um, and then, as long as another pandemic doesn't happen, uh, nationals will be the first weekend of May. So exciting! Yeah, as you mentioned, your roommates with uh, Canadian hero Molly McBain. So we're already a big fan of Florida State, but it's it's great to add your name to that, and we'll have another person to cheer for when the time comes. But best of luck with the rest of the season, and hopefully see you at Nationals. Cool. Thanks so much, Josh. Thanks for all the questions and stuff. It was awesome to talk to you.